And then, like, I'm 24 and I, I have this really bad episode to the point where I'm like, okay, you know what? I've been waiting to grow out of this for years and it's not going away. So, you know, maybe it's time to do something about it. Welcome to Wellness in Color on the Mental Health in Minnesota podcast produced by NAMI Minnesota, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Wellness in Color is a podcast series that explores perspectives on mental health to reshape the cultural language of mental illness. Visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. Subscribe to the podcast and listen on the NAMI Minnesota website or wherever you get your podcasts. Your host for this episode is Fang Soar Shang, Soar for short. Soar is a volunteer member of the NAMI Minnesota Multicultural Youth Advisory Board. Your guest for this episode is Huamua. For Hua, healthy means being happy. From a moderately traditional Hmong household, Hua's parents and elders believed that most anything could be fixed through shamanic intervention. However, if there are signs of mental illness, it was the doing of your soul or spirits trying to communicate. This is the reason that she believes Hmong folks don't seek medical treatment for mental health, especially for depression and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And then, healing rarely happens. Yet, in spite of this, her wellness goals are to have healthy, communicative, and inclusive relationships with family, friends, co-workers, and community. A note on sponsorship. Efforts related to Wellness in Color podcast episodes were supported by the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences of the National Institutes of Health, award number UL1TR002494. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the official views of the National Institutes of Health. And now, here is your host, Soar. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, who I want to uh, ask you about the language that you use when you talk about mental health or, you know, the challenges that it comes with um, trying to talk about mental health in the Hmong community. I hear the word nyoshia. Um, thrown around a lot. Um, I don't think that there's um, much, I don't know if there's actual language to um, really describe mental health. Um, well, yeah, lately I've been hearing like when people talk about um, going to a therapist or anything, they would say, um, but yeah, not much, honestly. And I'm still trying to find, figure out the language for myself, too. Mm-hmm. When you say uh, can you explain that a bit more for the audience that may not be able to understand that like phrase or term or whatever your interpretation of that um, word? Um, so a, a more literal translation would be like um, to be stressed mm-hmm. um, or to be having a hard time. Because nyua means to be, for, means hardship. And then shia means like your feelings or something. I wanted to uh, also touch base a bit about like your journey to where you got to um, using that phrase or just in terms of like your journey around mental health um, when you first noticed that or that you like were experiencing mental health to where you are now. I think my depression started when I was like a kid. I was like seven when I started showing signs to myself. Um, I remember crying a lot. Um, 
especially crying uh, at night, um, just thinking about things and then crying. But, like, it was always just, like, dismissed. Like, whenever, like, someone... I did talk to somebody about it or whatever. It was always dismissed to, oh, I'm, you know, I'm growing up. Like, these are just feelings you have when you're growing up and you don't understand things, you know? But then, like, I'm, like, 24 and I still have those same symptoms. Had a really bad um, episode. Um, And I just, you know... The next day, it was actually the day before the semester started um, at Century College. Um, and I'm like, I'm re- I'm waiting to grow out of it, and I'm not growing out of it. And so the next day, I'm like, okay, well, I have, I have to do something. Yeah, um, so I wanted to also unpack that a little bit more because I think about our, like, journey for, like, wellness. Um, and, you know, I wanted, could you unpack like how your journey to like find wellness looks like um, for your own personal experience just to folks get a bit understanding of like how you are able to move from like that point of like um, the point where you feel like you needed to get help um, to where you are now like how has that journey been in terms of like finding wellness for me I think it's a little um, it's quite unique in a way because with me having a disability there was a lot of shame in it for me, it was just, you know, I knew that there were outside sources and um, I took health class. And so I learned about like mental illnesses and depression and stuff like that and um, self-diagnosed myself. Um, and so like, I'm like, OK, now that I know, now that I'm feeling these types of way, this is what I think it is. I'm going to go and like talk to somebody about it, mm-hmm. you know. I also identify as Hmong, right? Um, but I also identify as a queer person. And so there's like a queer mental health needs and then there's a Hmong mental health needs because um, Hmong's like very cultural health needs. Um, so, you know, you mentioned that you are a person with disability. Um, did you ever find it hard to balance like the health needs for like uh, your disability health needs and like your mental health needs at all? Um... I think they're really intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I can't just do one without the other. It's always just hand in hand, mm-hmm. both of them. Because like, you know, if I'm not doing well um, mentally, I it snowballs into doing not doing well physically. You know, like... If I'm not doing well, if I'm not happy, I do things like, you know, bad health habits, bad eating habits, you know, um, not working on like, you know, not exercising or whatever. And I don't really exercise anyways. Um, but like I did hear that it helps, um, you know, and just things like that, like not being motivated because I'm feeling crappy and then I, you know, eat things that make me even more crappy. And so it's it's just a snowball. Um, and so I, don't, I feel like I can't really be just one or the other. 
you know, because then it also goes into like, you know, I, you know, like say um, because of my disability, I get like um, really bad um, stomach pains or whatever. And it's like if I eat like really icky things, then I'm going to even feel worse. And it's just going to be compounded to that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you touch basically about like, um, you know, seeking professional help and whatnot. Um, how have you noticed uh, health practitioners been able to like address, you know, your uh, mental health needs um, and your disability needs at the same time? Because I think, you know, that's something that's really that's an experience that often people don't talk about, right? Folks with disability do have mental health needs, and oftentimes those two, are, as you mentioned, are intertwined. Um, and so what are your experience with, like, health professional addressing those two simultaneously or lack of professional addressing those two simultaneously as well? For me, it's really... Um, and there we go again with another layer, you know, because it's not just mental health and disability it's mental health disability and then being a woman of color you know um and so a lot of the people that i a lot of my therapists have been able-bodied um and so like and i i haven't found like spaces at all not not just the um in mental health realm but like in general it's either i'm in able-bodied spaces that are like you know like women of color able-bodied spaces or women's spaces or disabled spaces like rarely do those ever like meet or intersect um so that's it rings true for um for my therapists that I see, um, my therapist right now though, she is um, she is a woman woman of color, so um, that helps. But then um, we rarely ever really talk about like my disability much because that's a realm that like they're not really familiar with, and like I'm not necessarily like bringing it up all the time. Yeah, um, so for those skills that you've been able to develop over time, what would you be able to share some of your skills with the audience in case, you know, folks want to, um, you know, just kind of look for validation that their skills or the things that they've been practicing works for them? Because I know personally for me, I do a lot of like art, like I do a lot of visual art for like um, self-care. Um, so would you be able to share some of your skills that have been able to work for you at home? The facility that I go to, um, we learn a lot of like DBT skills, which is dialectical behavioral therapy. And it was created for uh, folks with borderline personality disorders. But like I have depression and I'm, you know, I'm doing like group therapy with them. Um, And so like it works for like any... um, mental health needs I feel like because it definitely works for me and so like you know just things like um you know not believing the lies that you tell yourself you know because a lot of a lot of us who do have like um especially depression it's like 
you know, there's a lot of like self doubt and self hatred and self loathing and, you know, all of all of that stuff that like we just tell ourselves to like put ourselves back into that little dark corner, you know, like not not only not believing in those lies you tell yourself, but also like combating them, you know, like, you know, you, you would say something to yourself, but then like, then, you know, automatically like catch yourself or like, like, you know, turn it around, um, and like say something positive or, you know, um, Say something that would, like, be opposing to that statement you just made for yourself or, you know, something like that. So I want to unpack a little bit about uh, DBT, specifically your experience with it. Um, can you share how or what do you do for, like, your sessions around uh, DBT? Um, for me, um, I mean, it's really broad and I don't think I can, like, you know, encompass it all, but, like... Um, some of the things that I have learned in DBT and also like, I like to pat myself in the back and like, I've learned this, like I've mastered it. Not really. <laughs> is, um, uh, one is, um, what is it called? I love doing this. I mean, I hate doing it, but I love doing it too. Um, radical acceptance. Yes. Um, radical acceptance, like just accepting things that you can't change. Um, also, um, um, opposite to emotion action, uh, which is you just, you know, for me, I live in emotion mind a lot. And so like a lot of times everything I do is, um, not now, but like, you know, before, before, like before I'm, I live in emotion mind and I would, you know, just do things based on my emotions, um, without actually thinking about consequences or anything like that. And so, um, I've learned to like, uh, one of the skills we've learned is opposite to emotion action, which is you do what's opposite to what your feelings are telling you you want to do you know like if I'm like depressed and I want to go back to bed you know then like I to do something opposite to that is not go to bed you know like maybe you know pull yourself up and like go wash your face or cook yourself breakfast or something which is so hard especially when you're depressed but I mean like at the end of the day, like when you've done all this stuff just because you're trying to distract yourself from going back to bed, you know, and then you like finally go get back into your bed, it's so much more rewarding, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so I also want to highlight um, this thing that you have kind of like touch base on, which is the fact that, you know, our, our like mental health gets different from day to day, right? Because I think you kind of touch base about a lot of how your mental health could be, you know, like this on one day but it could be like drastically different on another day whether that's good or bad mm -hmm. um and then i want to uh, touch base a bit around like the self-care aspect of this because i think that's something that i really want to highlight is that you know self-care is a journey um and you know could you share some of your journey around like uh self-care or 
because um, I think most of the time, you know, the the idea of self care is has been glorified or romanticized into like this neat little packet that's going to solve all your problem. But in in reality, self care it's it's a journey, and you have to find what works for you. Um, would you be able to share like your journey around self care? I'm still trying to find like mm-hmm. my self care path because I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Um, like. You know what you just said there about um, self care and w- being glorified. That's exactly what I actually um, thought antidepressants were going to be. You know, I was going to take this pill and I was going to be cured of everything and I would never be depressed again and everything would be all rainbows and unicorn, you know. But it wasn't like that at all. Which really made me like really, um, what is the word? Um, I was really frustrated with that in the beginning. Um, and so like self-care is pretty much kind of the same too. Cause it's like, you know, people say, you know, if you want to do self-care, you do this and you do that and blah, blah, blah. And I do that. And it's like, you know, that was nice, but then I go back home and I'm still like feeling crappy and I'm like, what is this? You know? Um, I think what works for me, like, um, I used to think that like finding happiness was somewhere out there, you know? Um, but like lately I've been, um, and I still like definitely want to like go travel and everything like that, but like happiness is, I think of in terms of that song from Moana, like, um, the one where they're singing about finding happiness right where you are. Yeah. Like I, that song actually like plays in my head. Um, whenever like I'm trying to find adventure here in Minnesota, I think, you know, like my self care right now, which is not really anything at all, really just, you know, me finding what makes me happy and just noticing like, you know, yourself and noticing your surroundings and like sort of taking yourself outside of your own like little bubble and, you know, experience more, I guess. Um, I find that um, right now what brings me joy is um like going out to plays and stuff like that. So I actually, um, so I do that quite a lot. I actually just went to a play yesterday, um, Paranormal Brothers. If you guys haven't gone to it, go to it. It's really good. Yeah, so what I'm hearing is that, you know, self-care for you is breaking it down to what 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 makes you happy as opposed to like what's gonna as opposed to the, the narrative that's been you know shared which right. is like pampering yourself and you know right. doing that right but i think a lot for different people it means different things right so for example for me it means how do i preserve myself right how do i make sure that i'm able to put maximum output to my community so that i can make an impact and being able to sustain myself is my form of self-care mm-hmm. and for you it seems like your form of self-care is being able to just be happy happy right and doing what what you would like to do in order to be happy being with people Mm -hmm. you know being with people and being with people that I love um I've also found that you know not just you know just because you love someone doesn't mean they're 
um, healthy for you, you know, um, case in point family, Mm -hmm. honestly. (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, so like for me, it's like being with people that I enjoy being with and, um, doing things that I enjoy doing. Like I, there are lots of things that I enjoy doing, like, you know, going out to the movies, going out to plays, um, you know, hanging with friends, going out to parties, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and like doing that more, mm-hmm. you know, but not doing it irresponsibly though. Cause I do it. There's a fine line, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, I think, um, I, I feel like you're also touching base on like the, the fine line between like, uh, how do you socialize with people? Um, in order to like you know be in the community as opposed to how do you socialize people in order to like distract yourself from like your own like yes. health yes. Needs, right and so yes. i feel like that's a really fine line to like to be um and i i want to thank you for like surfacing that um because i think oftentimes you know we talk about like self-care or like um doing things for yourself but there's like things that you do for yourself that are healthy and then there's things that you do for yourself that may not necessarily be healthy in terms of like long terms and yes. i think you really like brought that out so um are there any last things that you want to uh share before we close out this episode for anyone who is thinking about or wondering about antidepressants it's not as scary as people make it out to be if you feel like you need it do it for yourself for additional resources related to this episode, please check the podcast show notes and visit NAMI Minnesota online at namimn.org. You've been listening to Wellness in Color on the Mental Health in Minnesota podcast produced by NAMI Minnesota.